Hey, this is Alex Salibian. And if you want to create a life with more money, more meaning, and more freedom, you have to listen to the Shit You Don't Learn in College podcast with my good friend, Xander Fryer. How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlick Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. All right, welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And in today's episode, uh, we're going to be talking to Alex Salibian, who's a music producer with uh, people like Harry Styles, Young the Giant, Beck. Uh, He's worked close with Jeff Basker with multiple Grammy Awards. Uh, He had Harry Styles' first solo album, which premiered at number one in the UK and US. Uh, He's even performed on Saturday Night Live. And recently, he's launching his own music label, the Navat Collective, which is transforming the music industry with a creative partnership with Spotify. They're searching for undiscovered talent in areas like Armenia and Malawi, Eastern Africa, uh, to really grow the reach and get to more people, give more people who have talent the opportunity to make it in the music industry. You're not going to want to miss this episode in it. Uh, We really dig deep on how Alex learned... uh, to, to work with people and build relationships with people like Harry Styles, some of the most famous people on earth. Uh, what he learned working with superstar music artist Beck that actually almost killed him. Uh, why, you can, why you can actually have too much meditation and how to find your superpower. So don't forget that we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. And I'll see you on the inside. All right, all right. How's it going, everybody? Xander Fryer, and we're back here with another episode of shit you don't learn in college. And I'm really excited to chat with my guest uh, today. His name's Alex Salibian. Alex is uh, an Armenian-American music producer uh, who's worked with amazing people like Harry Styles, Young the Giant, The Head and the Heart. Uh, He's worked closely with producer Jeff Basker, who's a multiple Grammy Award winner and one of the top producers in the world. Uh, you know, most notably, Alex was the producer, went through the full process of Harry Styles' first solo album, uh, the self-titled Harry Styles album, which premiered at w- number one in the UK and the US. Uh, it was named one of the top 10 albums of the year by Time, Rolling Stone, uh, Billboard Music. Uh, Alex, you actually got to perform on Saturday Night Live performing with Harry Styles. Um, and now, you know, after continuing his career in music production, Alex is actually launching his own music label. So taking on the music industry uh, with some really creative partnerships with Spotify and searching for undiscovered talent in areas like Armenia, Malawi, East Africa, uh, and underdeveloped places like that, uh, the Navak Collective, 
record label, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, and Alex, you're doing all of this at the ripe old age of how old? 30. 30, right? Proud so uh, really excited. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thank you so much, Xander. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, of course, man. Now, uh, I just I just ran through that beautiful uh, introduction and bio, which most of which was actually just taken from Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> but uh, Alex and I have actually known each other for uh, a long time. Um, we've probably been through more than either of us would care to admit with each other. Um, yeah. We actually went to college at UCLA together. So uh, I think this is going to be a very unique uh, interview because we're going to be able to talk about success and what we've achieved, but also kind of where we've come from, from a college standpoint. Um, so I think it should be pretty fun. But uh, Alex, just to just to get started, I think my first question for you, I always like to take it deep right on the first question. Um, I'd love to ask you, how would you define success in life? That's something I've been trying to figure out for a bit, but I think because I am a Libra, and yes, I'm going to go there, um, <laughs> I, I find that success comes with balance. Yeah. And I, like anything new that comes into your, someone's life, you you tend to kind of overdo it at first. Yeah. Um, whether it be an appreciation for money or appreciation for spirituality or friendships or relationships, um, it's it's this cycle of getting overindulgent on something and then dialing it back to where you can recognize its value but not overdo it. So for me, success has come to be a, a balance of yeah. health and wellness, of financial stability, of spirit, a spiritual practice a healthy relationship, good friendships, uh, mentors and people that I'm mentoring. Yeah. So just trying to get a well-rounded life. Um, if you can do that and find yourself being happy in the process, that would be success. Oh, that's amazing, man. So, so let me take that a little bit deeper. You mentioned your Libra. So do you think that uh, other people with other signs might have different ideas of what success would be to them based on, or maybe, maybe it's a different balance point, if you will. Yes. hundred percent. Uh, I, everyone's definition of success is different and should be different. The world yeah. would be pretty boring if everyone had the same definition of success. Yeah. Pretty boring um, or really entertaining because it'd be so competitive. <laughs> yeah. It would be wild. It would I mean, be like, be like yeah. hunger games, just real world. <laughs> everyone fighting for the exact same thing. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've found that a lot of my close friends that are successful in shooting for things, they, they appreciate balance, but it's not their primary objective. Right. And that's important too. I love that. Um, so let's let's dig into you know before we dig into some of your successes and what it's what it's like to work with you know some of the most famous people in the world. Um, did you go to college, Alex? Yes. Um, I though I don't remember much of it. <laughs> um. <laughs> so you went you went to yeah. UCLA with me. We were both actually in the same fraternity. Um, yeah. Tell me about tell me about your college experience and how. Uh, it may have prepared you for what you ended up doing in the music space uh, or maybe didn't prepare you for what you ended up doing in the music space. Yeah. So interestingly enough, I, I went through about six majors my first two years before landing on sociology because it was the only one left that I could get into. I remember that, um, by the way. Yeah. So <laughs> I I had a pretty intense passion for creating music at the time, but I didn't quite have the confidence or the network or the understanding of how to pursue it. So... I didn't realize it was an option. I would spend most of my time working on music um, instead of going to class. And 
then would go and take my midterms and finals and move forward. But the time I spent in college was actually more of a social experiment, which has, I mean, it all ended up working out. I studied sociology and I treated college as a social experiment, making friends, connecting, networking. And that has proven to be one of the most valuable tools I have in the music industry. And I think in any industry, realizing that everything is relationship-based. Yeah. It really is about establishing true friendship, caring friendship with the people you're around um, in order to make things happen together. And the time in the fraternity, the time with uh, like after the fraternity with the apartments that I lived in with a group of like five friends, like that, that just made it a norm to collaborate with people in order to accomplish things, whether that task was assembling a social event for the frat or like a cool trip to Cabo that actually took a strange amount of logistics to get yeah. it done the way we wanted it to to be done. Um, th- those really do carry over. Yeah, that's amazing. So it's it's so interesting because it's not always the things that you expect to learn in college that you end up using in your future career. Like just like you mentioned, I think had you, I, I remember when you were trying to get into the music school and you couldn't, right? Yeah, like they actually wouldn't let you and. It's kind of entertaining because you go down the sociology path, you learn all this stuff around how to interact with people. You always had the music talent, but now you actually learn how to work well with people, right? And and that's what you were able to take forward and you know be able to spend a year working with you know these these different uh, bands or different um, uh, you know musicians like Harry Styles, like spending a year with Harry Styles to you know, go produce his album, then go live in London and get ready to like go perform on stages with him. Like you're building really strong relationships. And that's something that's really progressed your career from what it sounds like more so than having gone to music school. Oh yeah. I mean, there are millions of people that are better at music than I am. Let's, like, let's they... not make that public. All right. Let's keep that one to <laughs> ourselves, Alex. But that being said, music is a very interesting thing because it is so subjective. It is yeah. about getting an energy of feeling a relationship out of the speakers in a way that compels people to hear themselves in it or be moved in a certain way by it. So it very early on, understanding that the vibe in the studio, the vibe on stage, the process of workflow in order to get past any hurdles, it was the most important thing. Because when you're working with artists like Harry or a band like Young the Giant, it's about understanding why they're the artist. They're the ones with the vision that can connect to the public. My job is to support them in creating an environment. Your job is to enable it. Your job is to help that creative. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. That's pretty amazing, man. Um, So so obviously... um, you know, you get, you get out of college and uh, everything turns up right away, right? It's super easy. Like you walk out the front door and all of a sudden Katy Perry's knocking on your, on your, uh, your apartment door saying, Hey Alex, like I want to work with you. Right. Like that's, that's what oh, happened. Man. So interestingly enough, things were very serendipitous and smooth in the early days. And <laughs> yeah. I, I do believe that Everyone has to pay their dues at some point, but they yeah. can't determine when that's going to be. Yeah. So I, my senior year of college, I applied randomly to universalmusicgroup.com. I think I was actually with you. We were going to the beach and I, we drove by it. And yeah. I, in my head, I didn't tell anyone. I just thought the building looked cool. And I got back to my apartment and I was like, I should probably get an internship. I applied. 
ended up getting in there, hustling when I got in the building, making sure I was known, doing good at what I was doing. Um, and through the network that was there, I ended up on phone call, phone calls with Jeff Basker. Um, and he took a liking to me. And when that relationship built was when I really understood that I might be able to become a record producer, because here I am hanging out with one of the best ones and he needs help. Yeah. So I became his assistant and again, just like really hustled and made sure to put myself in the best situations possible. He took a liking to me. Um, he was working with uh, another producer at the time named Tyler Johnson, who's actually become my mentor and really good friend as well, um, whom you've met. Um, and Tyler, being from a family of teachers, took a liking to me, again, relationships, and started yeah. training me on how Jeff liked things recorded and how to be in the room and how to make yourself valuable and get out of the way when you need to and not screw up. And, but so not you take got, it personally. Really you good mentorship up. from a very like from the very beginning. Yes, and this yes. is this is post college. Yeah. You're learning. You're learning from people that have been in the thick of it, telling you what to do. I considered well the, <laughs> to convince my parents. They're they're very supportive, but they really like put them at ease that this was okay. I really did treat it as grad school. Um, yeah. It was a, a networking experience. It was a mentorship um, to the highest degree, and it's a mentorship that a lot of people dream to have. It's yeah. not a mystery that to get in the music industry, getting in with a successful producer in an intimate environment is the best way. Yeah. It's unfortunate. There should be music education systems set up that allow you to get that experience and get you in there. But that is the best way. And, and I got that through, I mean, hard work, serendipity and networking. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So you end up working with yeah. Jeff. Um, what was your what was your big break? Like, how did you catch a big break? Yeah. Okay. So that was super interesting. Um, I started engineering for Jeff and got a few additional production credits. So additional production is like the lowest level of credit on a, on a production. It's just adding some things yeah. to it. It's not really like guiding the ship, but it's a credit and you can use that to get momentum and get in rooms. Eventually Jeff was like, okay, you're ready to get signed. Um, yeah. and do your own thing and start taking sessions on your own. I, he saw that I had the ability to lead. Yeah, which is what production is. You have to lead a session, make sure the workflow is correct. Um, from there, I started doing a bunch of sessions. I wasn't enjoying them. They didn't. They weren't a fit um, for my style of music. I had asked my manager to get me into the indie rock scene because that's what I loved. Yeah. And next thing you know, he calls me and says that I'm going in with Beck for a week. Yeah. Um, who is by far one of the biggest artists out there yeah let's and just casually throw you in a room with beck see how that goes yeah so at this point i had started um meditating pretty frequently um and really just kind of dialed myself in shape to be able to handle something like that going yeah. from zero to 100 and would go to beck's place in malibu um i drive out there at five in the morning um because he wanted to start at 9 a.m and I didn't want to hit rush hour traffic. And I'd go meditate on the beach, then start working with Beck at nine until nine or 10 p.m. without eating. Wow. Um, because he assumed I was adult enough to just tell him that I wanted to get food, um, which <laughs> makes sense. But for some reason, I had no clue what you I was doing. You clearly were not adult enough to ask. <laughs> no, I, I thought I thought Beck would come in and be like, here's your food. And it's like, no, I'm like, <laughs> I need to start out my own lunch and dinner. 
Um, so, but I did that. This podcast for... is going to be titled "How Beck Almost Killed Alex Salibian." <laughs> yeah, I know. it's like I should have packed a lunch or something. But I was in the zone. I was on cloud nine, and I ended up with him for like four weeks working on tracks, just me and him. Um, and we made some amazing stuff. But as the music industry goes, it's never what you expect. I didn't end up getting a cut. Yeah. Um, he actually was nominated for a bunch of Grammys for Morning Phase while I was with him. Like I was sitting there as he got the calls that he was getting nominated and everything kind of got chaotic. So I ended up those tracks that I made with him, while they didn't get me a cut with Beck, they were able to be sent out to other people. And they, through a, a friend of Tyler's named Zach Horner, were played for the manager of Young the Giant. Yeah. And they liked it. So I got my meeting with Young the Giant and Young the Giant ended up being my first record. Yeah. That's so pretty, it's, that's pretty amazing, man. Yeah. Yeah. So what's it, what's it like? Actually, I, I want to dig more into Young the Giant, what it's like working with Young the Giant and, and obviously Harry Styles. But before we dig into that, yeah. you mentioned something that I think is uh, really important that I, I don't want to just breeze over that, that I think has been paramount for your success and uh, a crucial part in my, my success and my endeavors in life, if you will, as well. Um, but that's your, um, your spirituality and your meditation practice. And you mentioned, you know, back then you were really starting to dig deep on that and it really allowed you to handle, you know, as a, as a kid in his mid twenties getting, you know, placed to produce with one of the top musicians in the entire world. Right. So talk to me about your, your spiritual practice, what role that's played in your life and, and obviously meditation as a, as a practice too. Yeah, of course. So I started meditating around 22. Um, my wife, Nicola, introduced me to the practice. Um, and I, it was one of those moments where I felt like I knew about it in a past life, but I had no yeah. understanding of it in this life. I, they, for some reason, it had never encountered me throughout the years of college and high school and even before that yeah we were a so, little bit busy in college and high yeah. school doing some other things i don't know yeah no i i, I was really distracted by partying and yeah it was fun um but at that at this point i had just gotten the job of an assistant to jeff yeah and i was and i had just started dating nicola and i was kind of at a place where i was like okay i'm it feels like a next phase of my life and i kind of want to step it up and i'm curious about yeah. this and i was uh raised christian but didn't really connect to it so there's a there's a parallel between science and religion there that i i have to admit was just like so attractive to me yeah to have some like understanding of like, wait there's science there's reason behind these spiritual events and feelings. Yeah, so the, the um, science behind the spirituality, yeah. Yes, that, that was the, the thing that got me hooked. Yeah. Um, and then actually sitting and starting and meditating and realizing that it's a whole new world. Um, this might not be the, the best parallel to pull for people, but it the closest I felt to um, what I felt in meditation was when, if you like take Molly, like, and then yeah. like... Yeah you know, and you have that serotonin influx, but this was cool and calm and limitless. Yeah. Of that piece. And, and, and natural. And natural. Yes. Um, definitely don't recommend the, the first one. Um, that'll <laughs> um, but so I started getting into it and like I said at the beginning, I, I overindulged yeah. with meditation even. 
um, to a point where I put it above all else. And that is not the point in my opinion. Yeah. It's meditation combined with activity. Yeah. Um, you have to take that piece and apply it to the people around you and the things you're working yeah. on. Yeah. It's like, it's like meditation and spirituality is not the goal. It's, it's mm -hmm. what allows you to take that, like everything you're learning from meditation and spirituality to everything else in the world. Exactly. Exactly. That took me a long time to figure out, like up until maybe a year ago, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but throughout this time, it did do the job of the direct physical effects of it in reducing stress levels, um, allowing me to focus on what I can control instead of what I can't control. Yeah. Um, having something else to look to instead of the metrics of success, because in production and a lot of things like you don't really know when it's going to happen. Yeah. And there are so many exciting things that come into your life, like the Beck stuff, like dealing with waiting there every day, like thinking that I'm going to get this cut that's going to change my life. And then the phone call never coming. And then the album coming out and looking at the songs and not seeing mine on there. Yeah. Like all of that stuff. It's just like, you need something to distract you from that. And it could have been rock climbing. It could have been tennis. For me, it was meditation. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty amazing though. But it sounds like, you know, obviously I, I think for anybody out there who's, uh, hasn't gotten into meditation or who's thinking about meditation, you know, I think there's, there's a, you know, everybody knows that meditation can help you be calmer, have better relationships, handle stress more, all of those things. Um, it's just, it's difficult. I think it's difficult for a lot of people to get into it. What suggestions do you have for people that you just want to learn to start meditating? Is it just like the decision? Like, what are your, what are your thoughts? Headspace. Headspace. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. No, yeah. really, because I, I got into meditation in a much more like intense way through self-realization fellowship and like a pretty like structured meditate yeah. quite a bit daily method. And that was great for me. But then later on when I was, you know, you, you go through waves. I There are times, months where I don't, and then I come back to it. it yeah. It's, you know, and that is important not to get down on yourself about. It's it's a lifelong yeah. practice. Um, but I toyed around with Headspace and it was the most immediate, peaceful, easy introduction to just get yourself focusing on your breath, focused on the present moment, and so I, I always, even though I am a devotee of the self-realization fellowship practice, I always recommend Headspace just because it's very easy to get into. Yeah. I love that, man. That's good stuff. So, so obviously, uh, you're, I've known you for a while now. You're always calm as a cucumber. You're, you, you've got the goods. Now you get to go work with people like Beck, Young the Giant, yeah. Harry Styles. What's, yeah. What's that like working with, with that magnitude of, of person or star, if you will? Yeah, um, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It really is. And to be around these people that are so creative, yeah, um, so talented and driven and also have a vision. That's the interesting thing to me about artists is they see things differently um, and they surround themselves with a group of people that help them execute their specific vision of what things should sound and look like and what the message needs to be. So yeah. a great artist in the room is always in a very collaborative method, making sure things are working towards that vision. And they're very quick to understand if things are right or not, because it's a, it's a binary thing almost. It's yeah. like, yes, this executes my mission. No, it doesn't. Yep. And they are able to do this at a very young age 
Um, so it is, it, it is a very special experience and it's fun. It's just fun to be creating something with people that think like that. It's, it sounds to, the way you describe it too. It's almost like that artist is like, it's almost like they are a CEO of their world. Oh right? my gosh. Like yes. They're, they're, they're leading others. They're helping create this vision. They think differently and they're helping drive a collective group to this, to this outcome. That's a great point and something that I was recently in with a young artist who complained that I wish some, he said, I wish somebody had told me I was going to be a CEO. <laughs> um, and yeah. it's true because not only all of those factors of leading a company, but they literally have an organization with dozens of people on payroll for what they do. And they yeah. pull in millions of dollars of revenue a year. Like they're, they're a full on company and yeah. they make every decision. And everything is their brand. Um, so that's the great about the great artists too. Like they're very aware of that and mindful that like this is bigger than them. It, it's themselves incorporated. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. What's 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 maybe the biggest thing that you learn, say working from? I, I know you went on a amazing adventure where you went down with Harry and his team to record in Jamaica. You went out to yeah. London for like, I can't even, six months or eight months or something. Yeah, like you were all months, over yeah. the place. What was the, what was the biggest learning lesson for you during that process? Okay. So that time was actually a really difficult time for me because yeah. I hadn't found my place and my value that I could contribute it in myself. I knew I was doing something clearly Harry and Basker and my team knew I was doing something. I was there for a reason. Yeah. Um, but I myself wasn't clear on my, um, my own self-worth in that. Like, time. like the function, the function of Alex as a whole yeah. beyond, yeah. beyond this thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I made myself useful as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, just in every situation from, sitting at dinner and chatting to like adventures we would go on to being in the studio and actually crafting the ideas and writing and recording them, making sure to get in early and get everything prepped and ready to go working with everyone we had there. Um, but I think the, so throughout that time to, I'll get back to your question. Yeah. We you know what I, what I learned there, but because I was in that state, I, I learned everything in an immense hindsight position, like maybe three years out after it was all over mm -hmm. because it was so fast. Went to Jamaica, recorded it, came back, had a month in LA and then got called to go to London, went there, ended up getting engaged while in, in London and doing this and then making a very intense decision to stop and come back to LA and restart my life. Um, and it, it just was weird. Yeah. Um, but I was just following my gut and meditating and not really being, you know, I'm not really sure if what was going on. Not, not trying to overthink it, but just, just doing it right. Like just, yeah. just doing yeah. what you felt was, was right. Yeah. And I think that's exactly, I, yeah, I think that's a problem. I think a lot of people can't do that. Right. They, they yes. tend to think themselves into being stuck. Totally. And so it was, there were two sides to it of the lessons that I, I learned from it. The positive side was believe in yourself. If yeah. you feel something, you're probably feeling it for a reason. Yeah. Check in with the people around you, but uh, otherwise, like you've you got to trust yourself. But the balance of that is, if you have intuitive feelings about something, you're probably right, but you're probably wrong about the timing. <laughs> yeah. um, and 
I was over eager with all the things I was feeling and wanted things to move faster. So I made decisions oh. to move me along in the process faster than I needed to. Yeah. That was a big, big lesson. Well, I think that's, you know, I think that's huge, right? Because we all, we all, we all want everything we want and we all want it now, yeah. right? We're, yeah. we're, we're in a, we're in a microwave society where everything can come out in 30 seconds or the magic pill to do this or 15 yep. minutes to do that. And we see it all over social media too, instantaneous gratification. And so we've, we've shortened our ability to like be patient and put in the work and allow things to happen the way that they need to happen. Yep. That is the most uh, adulting thing <laughs> to do is, is patience. Like if you have an idea, you know, you're right. You know, it's going to happen. You know, you have the means to make it happen, but to then sit back and wait and execute it in a timely manner, yeah. not let it fade away, but to not like freak out and just try to do it. It's, that is such a difficult skill. And for me, the solution there has been honestly having multiple eggs in different baskets and not yeah. getting so like um, high investment, low attachment. Yeah. Yep. That mentality, really? that, that was a big lesson. Yeah. Like really, yeah. really having that intention, really having that investment, but not being attached to the actual outcome. But it's, exactly. you know, it's interesting because we're talking about like being patient and like things like that, you know, like in the self-development world, like one of my, I think it's one of my least favorite sayings that I ever see. Like you'll see it all over social media. People go like, uh, you know, live like there's no tomorrow. And I'm like, but there is a tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Right? No, I don't agree with that. You, you, you're not, you're like, you know, God forbid, you're probably not going to die tomorrow. Yeah. Right. You're probably going to live a very long, healthy life. Right. I, ooh, I've gone through the live like there's no tomorrow and it did not leave me in a good place. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really just kind of screwed myself with that mentality and I was living it for a minute. Yeah. Oh man. That's, that's too funny. Um, yeah. Cool, man. So I have, a, I have a couple, I have a couple more questions for you. Um, yeah. The first question I have to ask you is, um, you know, obviously like I know both you and your brother very, very well. Um, your brother is a super successful doctor and surgeon. You're a super successful musician and producer. Like, is there just something in your guys' blood? Is there something in the milk you guys drank growing up? Or is it, is it uh, nature? Is it nurture? Like, what do, you, what do you think allows us to become the people that we were meant to become? I mean, that's, that's a great question. I, I am a big believer that if someone takes the time to understand their superpower, yeah. that everyone has the potential to do great things. Um, but the difficult thing is going through the process of figuring out what that superpower is. Yeah. Um, so my brother Ara very early on had an ability to digest information easily and work really hard at things. Yeah. And on top of that, he could turn on the personable uh, factor really quickly and, you know, do the networking as well. Um, so we, and he was a great at, he was great at math and great at writing and great at piano. Like he, he kind of had it all. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the greatness happened for him when it was all focused on one thing Yeah. on becoming the best surgeon possible. Um, you know, and for me up until literally last year, 
I I had a lot of great things happen, but I, and I'll get into it because this happens after London and after Harry stuff. I I was in a funk for like two two years, yeah. solid. Where like did over I did over like a hundred sessions with thirty five different artists and didn't get a single cut. Yeah. Um, and didn't know what was happening. Wasn't happy, and I was very insecure about my musical abilities because like I said, there are millions of people that are better than me at music. I, I don't have the like natural chops and instincts that a lot of musician musicians have. So I was curious as to what was going on because clearly I was meant to be where I was meant to be and I was doing good work. It just wasn't clicking. Yeah. It took me forever to understand that my superpower was communicating with people and making them feel safe, comfortable, and motivated to be the best selves. That's what kept me in with the Harry Camp. That's what kept me in with Young the Giant, the Head and Heart. Yeah. I believe that they felt that with me around, they would be a better version of themselves. Right. Um, and that's when it all clicked. And that's when things shifted for me where yeah, I'm still producing projects here and there, but it all a lot of my focus is now on this record label because with the record label, I get to apply that at scale. Yeah, you get to you get to now create that space at scale for people. Exactly. Beautiful. So talk that, me. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, that, I was just going to reaffirm that that was the moment that it, it allowed me to really feel like, okay, now I'm 30 and I'm not just like failing at producing records, but I'm starting something cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But it was getting clear. It was getting clear yeah. on that superpower of yours and now how to best use mm -hmm. it moving forward. So that's. That's amazing. Yeah. So talk to me, talk to me a bit about the record label, what you guys are doing. Um, and obviously the goal there. Yeah, totally. So, um, I met, uh, my business partner in the venture, her name's Tamar Kaprilian. Um, I met her about two years ago and my mentor, Jeff introduced us purely, I, I'm sure he had other reasons, but we're both Armenian and in music. And he was like, you guys should probably know each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and at that time, Tamar had been running a nonprofit called Nabok Foundation for about four years. And that nonprofit went to these developing markets like Armenia, Malawi, um, Israel, and educated musicians on songwriting and production. Yeah. The goal of it to have these students that came through to be able to leave with their own demos that they produce and make <clears> themselves <throat> to give them agency over their art. Yeah. Um, the mission was to make sure that artists didn't have to go into unsafe spaces in order to get their vision across. Right. They could use their, their love for music in a positive way without relying on other people. So you're um, literally, so she, you're literally kind of like you and I talked about, you're literally helping these artists become the CEOs of their world. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's the world we live in. That is the millennial mindset. Truly. Yeah. Um, so Tamar was working with this artist in Armenia at the time. Her name's Rosa Lynn. And she wanted me to go to Armenia to help mentor her. And at this place, I was like at the lowest point because nothing was working. And I was like, I I have all of these projects booked. I need to get one of them. I can't go to Armenia right yeah. now. Um, but she is one of the most persistent people I've ever met. <laughs> and she just kept pinging me, kept being like, hey, you know, like you said you'd help. So like do what you said you're going to do. Don't be a dick, Alex. And, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, and I was like, okay, great. So I started Zooming with Rosa. Um, and this is top of 2020, like January 2nd or 3rd, 2020, when I started actually communicating with Rosa. From the first Zoom and after receiving a Dropbox of some of her demos, I was floored. 
like this girl is from Bonitur, Armenia, like a tiny town in Armenia. And I've been to Armenia multiple times and I did not know about this town. Yeah. Um, and she is sending me demos that she wrote and produced herself that are insane. Yeah. Like so good. So Tom was like, I told you. Um, <laughs> and we're looking at this situation where she has the nonprofit. There is Rosalind, but there's also another 29, 30 girls from this network from the nonprofit that have what it takes to be an artist. What I said earlier, drive, talent, vision. Yeah. They have it. So they just don't we have realize, resources or the quote unquote serendipity like you talked about. Yes. You talked about you had. Exactly. Because they're at a different place on this mud ball. They don't have the opportunities that yeah. I did. Um, we realize talent is equally distributed around the globe, but opportunity is not. Wow. That is the problem to solve here. That's um, huge. Yeah. So that was a big realization. And we took that and decided that we needed a for-profit vertical in order to actually help, in order to give these girls the resources they need to get to an even platform so yeah. that they can release music and chime into the global music industry, which is becoming increasingly global. Yep. So we started doing some research, see that like Spotify has expanded to the Middle East in 2018. The last time they made a move like that, they went to Latin America in 2013. And we all know what's going on with the Latin American music market. Granted, they have a lot more history back there. It's really expanding and Spotify played a big part yeah. in that. Um, Middle East has the second youngest population on the planet. They're planning on having 75% of them with access to cell phones and data. Um, wow. There are no young pop stars. They're all older, above 60, or like the top streaming uh, artists in the Middle East, in the MENA region, Middle East and North Africa, are either deceased or above 60. So there's this hole here. There is like this gap where there aren't truly developed artists making content that speaks to the youth in that region wow. because there is no infrastructure or resources available to them. So that was a big problem. Um, and there's so many factors to touch on, but I'll kind of get to the closing <laughs> point of it. Um, yeah. We started raising venture capital fall of 2020 in order to get us through a two-year runway of launching four priority artists of these 30 that we had in order to prove to the world that not only is there a whole group of artists that everyone's ignored this whole time, but that we could create a record label that is artist-centric instead of public-centric. Right that will succeed. Yeah. Um, Gives so the biggest to issue the, to the artist and will continue exactly. to grow moving forward. Exactly. So our goal is to have that proof of concept. If we can take an artist from Armenia, a young female artist from Armenia, and I, I hate this term, but this is a term people use. They break the artist. I don't understand why it's that, but like launch the artist. Like globally. break them into the industry. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't break. Um, please don't break any people, Alex, but. I mean, it's the same thing with like break a leg, but I, I know the story behind that too. It's a little different. But <laughs> anyways, so we, we can launch them in there and have them actually be a part of the scene of music. Like that's huge. Yeah. While completely remodeling uh, the record label's business model, um, which I don't need to be the one to say is entirely screwed up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's, so that's, there's that's plenty of Netflix documentaries all on that one, buddy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dude, that's that's amazing. Like, I, I know you know this, but I'm going to be doing everything in my power to make sure that you guys succeed. Um, 
a couple couple last quick questions for you. I don't want to take up too much more time because this has been this yeah. has been phenomenal. Um, just a little speed round. Number one, what's one thing to you, and maybe it's multiple things, but what's something to you that's more important than money? Relationships. I love it. Uh, what's the most recommended book that you gave out in the last couple of years? Autobiography of a Yogi. Autobiography of a Yogi? Yeah. Nice. It's a good one, man. Um, what's your favorite way to continue to grow and educate yourself as a person? Uh, is it is it books? Is it podcasts? Coaches? Mentorships? Just going and doing the damn thing? What's your favorite way to continue to grow? Conversations. Say that one more time. Conversations. Conversations. Contacting people. And, yeah. and so listening, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. Beautiful dude. Um, so last last piece, where can where can people learn more about Alex Salibian and Navak uh record label, everything that you guys are doing? So they can go to Navakcollective.com um to check out the record label. The Instagram handle is on there. My Instagram handle is Alex Salibian. Um and there will be press coming out very soon. Um, so that's something to look out for. And those will be posted on Instagram. And yeah, I mean, if anyone's interested, I would say reach out on those platforms and they can kind of get the summary of what we're doing and where we're at with it. Beautiful, man. I love it, brother. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Um, this has been absolutely Thank phenomenal and, uh, I really appreciate the time, man. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks brother. All right, that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.